Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We've been uh, wrestling for a few weeks with this whole issue of whether or not God cares. And that's really a struggle that all of us have, whether we want to admit it or not. And sometimes because we are church, we don't want to admit it, but we wrestle with the question, especially if there's stuff happening in our lives and things seem out of control. And and let's remind ourselves of something here. We're all control freaks here. We want to be in control. So I want you to look to your neighbor right now and say to them, you're a control freak. I give you permission to do that. Some of you have been wanting to say that anyhow, okay? But I want you to listen to me. Because we're control freaks, because we're control freaks, we don't like things happening that aren't supposed to happen. We like our lives to be in a nice little order. I get up in the morning, I'm either grouchy or happy, depending on whether or not I'm a morning person. You have your coffee, you get your shower... You listen to your favorite radio, whatever, on your way to work. You have your day at work, and you come home, and and you have your expectations of home. Maybe it's your show, or maybe it's this or that, or your hobby. And you expect to be in bed at this time with the right temperature in the room. Am I right? And when somebody upsets the flow of our day, and something upsets the flow of our day, we don't like that. But then you throw something that is traumatic. You throw something that we're not expecting. You throw something like a pink slip from work or a health issue or a death of a loved one or a relationship that has failed or kids that are not doing what they should be doing or any other numbers of things that could go wrong. We don't know how to deal with it. Because, you know, we like to be in control, but when we face those kind of things... It's totally out of our control, and we don't like that, and so we try to cope. And let's be honest, we don't do a good job trying to cope. Because for some of us, our coping mechanisms might be alcohol, it might be drugs. And before you get down on somebody who copes with drugs or alcohol, let me just remind you of something. They're doing what others do, except maybe they do it with the acceptable things, food or chocolate. The reality is, is they're trying to deal with it, what it... It may not be manifesting itself in the right way, but they're all wrong in how they're trying to cope. Because all of that is destructive. In fact, here, that's our first point today, is is that we find it difficult to cope. We find it difficult to cope. Here, some of us need to be set free from this. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. You need to quit operating on the assumption that you can have every moment of your day in control. That's a lie. And if you believe that lie, it will destroy you. Jesus very clearly says, the Bible very clearly says, that our lives are but vapors. He describes us as like, he looks at the fields and sees, what? The flowers. And he says, are they not arrayed more beautifully than all of the splendor of Solomon? But yet, the sun comes and scorches it. And it's taken away. Our lives are like that. 
So you need to set yourself free. The reality is, is that we find it difficult to cope, but here's, our, here's the second thing. I, I mentioned this last week. Our coping mechanisms are destroying us. They're destroying you. They're destroying your relationships. They're destroying your families. I mean, I mean, they could be anything. We've mentioned a few. We've mentioned, you know, drugs, alcohol, chocolate. For you chocolate lovers, it may be that that's your coping mechanism. Could be a cheeseburger, food. Could be work. For some of you, it's work. Could be your hobby. Could be your kids. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Could be sports. I can see, by the way, people are dressed today. Everybody's going to be watching the Redskins today, right? Okay, okay. No, I know you're watching Steelers. Okay. But you know, here's the thing. When, when you, when you, because here's the thing. Those things are only for the moment. There's only a momentary peace and a momentary satisfaction. So what happens is, is because you don't know how to cope, you keep going back to it, and you keep going back to it, and you keep going back to it until what? It finally controls you. And it is a wicked taskmaster. You know, as we've been looking at this whole issue of whether or not God cares, I need to bring this up today before we look at how the Bible tells us how to cope, a second area. I need to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, I need to remind you that the Bible presupposes, it already has a presupposition in the Bible, that your life is going to be filled with suffering. You need to understand that. The Scripture already assumes that from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Revelation chapter 19. You say, what do you mean? From Genesis 3 and the fall in the garden all the way to 19 when he comes back. The supposition, the presupposition is, is that suffering and hardship, pain, are going to be a part of our lives. So that's the first thing we need to grasp. The second thing we need to grasp is this, and this is a lie that we sometimes embrace as Christians and we need to kill it, is that God's going to take away my problem. Here's the reality. He doesn't promise to take away your problem. You say, okay, well, George, you know what? If he doesn't promise this, it's a, well, how do I cope then? Well, here's the thing about a loving God. He does give us mechanisms to cope. We talked about one last week. He gives us grace. When we recognize our weakness, He gives us grace. But what we're going to see today is that God gives us wisdom. He just doesn't leave us hanging out there to try to figure it out on our own, to destroy ourselves trying to cope. So I want you to notice with me. Look with me at verse 2. We're going to look at verses 2 through 8, and we'll see what the writer James says. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As I read this to you, some of you are going to have a hard time with what he says. So let me explain it to you before you react. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him who asks in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Here's what we're going to see, folks. We can really divide this, these verses really into three sections. We're going to see, first of all, the encouragement. We're going to see what the result of the suffering is that happens in our lives. And then we're going to see the wisdom for suffering. 
So first of all, the encouragement. Here's what he's saying to us. And remember what I said to you. Some of you are going to find this hard to accept. But here's what James is saying to us. He's saying to us, choose to be joyful in your suffering. Choose to be joyful. Now, immediately some of us are going to be like, what in the world is he asking of me? You're wanting me to be happy with what's happening in my life? That's as bad as somebody trying to say to me, keep a stiff upper lip. This is unrealistic, George. How can you be happy? He didn't ask you to be happy. He asked you to be joyful. There's a difference. Let me explain the difference to you. I, I've been trying to, trying to communicate this to you. Happiness, can I be honest with you, is a feeling. Being happy is a feeling. Because how many, I, mean, I want you to think for a moment, how many of you remember a time when you felt happy? Like, you know, after Thanksgiving dinner and I'm, I'm all filled up with turkey and I'm looking for a couch, I feel happy. Now, later on, I don't feel happy anymore. The feeling goes. Now, joy is something different. Joy is a state of mind. So you can have joy in the midst of problems. I thought, how do I illustrate that to you? So I've got an illustration, and I, I need to ask the ladies here to allow me to share this, knowing that I have no concept of what I'm about to talk about. The closest concept to what we're talking about with this subject of pain and joy that I could think of was the birth of my children. For those of you who are moms, you know that childbirth is what? Painful. It doesn't feel good. But I can tell you, because I've seen it, that when that baby comes, even though there is pain and even though there is agony and hurt and, and, and everything else, and I have no comprehension, I already admit that, okay? There is joy. And while you're sitting there and you're holding that, laying there, excuse me ladies, laying there with that newborn in your arms and you are in pain, what do you have? Joy. See, this is what he's calling us to. So, am I forgiven? Okay? Okay, alright. Because I've been told, you have no clue. You're right, and I don't want to know. Alright? But here's the reality. Listen to me. James is calling us that in the midst of what you're going through, you have a choice to how you're going to handle it. You've got a choice of how you're going to respond to what's coming. And the response that he thinks that you need to have is one of joy. Not happiness, because again, that's just a feeling. And you know, when you're in the midst of it, how can you be happy? But your joy is found in something different. My friends, your joy is found in Christ. It's found in Jesus. And see, he wants us to focus specifically here that what is going on? Joy comes with a confidence in God. Joy comes with confidence in God. See, joy comes that even in the midst of what I'm going through, I have a joy that I still belong to Him. He still watches over me. And that even though things may go totally wrong in this life, there's something better for me later on. I have a confidence in Him, not myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why the Old Testament would say things like this, Though He slay me, though I die. Paul would say this, For me to live is Christ, to die is what? To gain! See, we, 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 we don't really grasp that here today in our culture because today in our culture it's all about now. That's why we're having such a hard time because here in the last few years and I think many more years to come, 
It's not going to get any better, is it? So our joy comes from confidence in God. So then he goes on and he tells us, that's the encouragement. What are the results? Because here's what he's going to show us. Verse 3 and 4. He's going to show us this. Look with me. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Here's what I want you to see. First thing here. Suffering tests your faith. Why does God allow this to happen to me? Well, there are many different reasons why. The Bible isn't conclusive in all of the reasons, but every once in a while it will say things. And here specifically it tells us that when you and I go through hard times, it's basically God testing you. What's he testing me about? How much you trust him? How much you believe in him? How much are you relying on him? See, we all need to be tested. See, when I go through difficulties, it really tests me as far as what I believe about my God. It tests my faith. How much do I really trust Him in this? See, because I want you to understand something. Let me give you a definition of faith here. Faith is not just simply a belief, because that's what we've reduced it to in our culture today, especially in church, is that it's that simply I believe the right things. You know what? Here's the thing, folks. I can go to the doctor. I was just at the doctor a few weeks ago because I had pneumonia. And, you know, doctor's visits, i got to bring something with me to do because you're just going to sit in that little room on the bench waiting. And while I'm looking, I'm looking on the wall, and there's all the certificates and diplomas and everything. And, and I can look up there and believe that my doctor has the ability to treat me. So when she comes in and she listens to me and says, oh, yeah, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do. This is what I'm going to give you, and she writes out the prescription. Now, this is what you got to do with this, George. I can believe all I want about what I see on the wall, but what I decide to do with it determines how much faith I have in her being a doctor. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I could take what she says to me in the prescription, and when I leave there, I throw it in the truck and say, well, I think I'm handless on my own. Then I have to go see her again, and she says, why didn't you do what I told you the last time? You know, it's like you don't know what to say then. See, that's the difference between belief and faith. He's testing us with what we really believe, what we believe in our hearts. Whether we have the faith. This is the reason for suffering. He he tells us one other thing here, is that it produces in us, number one, patience, and then two, maturity. It produces in us patience and maturity. It toughens us. When we go through the stuff that we have gone through, when we go through that stuff, it's going to produce within us patience for the world that we live in, and it's going to produce in us a maturity that we need for our lives. Adolbert Tozer said this. He said that before God can use a man greatly, he has to wound him greatly. If I'm going to mature in my faith, I need to recognize that I'm going to have to go through the trials of this life, the stuff that happens. Trust Him to carry me through it. And in the meantime, I I become more patient and I become more mature. And boy, have I seen that. You know, I've been here ten and a half years. First church, I was there four years. That was was a nightmare, the first four years of that church. And Lord will tell you, I became an insomniac at that church. Because at that church, stuff was happening, and I was like, oh, and I'd be up at night, oh, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to be? What am I? And Lori would be like, go somewhere else, let me sleep. 
You know, I'm up at night. I'm worrying. What if this happened? You know what? Sixteen years later, stuff happens now. I don't lose sleep. Ain't but a thing. What happened? Here's what it is. When you go through the stuff of life and God matures you and you grow patience, you develop the hide of a rhinoceros. You're able to handle it. And see, here's what brings you the joy, is when you look back and you see, yeah, he brought me through this, and he brought me through that, and he brought me through this. And Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I do know this. He brought me through those other things. He'll bring me through this. See, there's joy there. Now, do I feel happy right then? No. But I can have joy. I can have joy. You say, okay, well, man, that still isn't telling me how I can cope with it. Well, part of the coping mechanism is is that we don't know what to do with it. Do you understand? So that's why we seek our coping mechanisms, is that we really don't know what to do with the junk that happens in our life. It's like, what am I going to do now? Because remember now, we're all control freaks. We like to be in control. And when somebody messes it up, or something messes it up, we don't know how to respond, and so it's like, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And so here's what you do. Here's what you guys are doing now. You, it, we used to pick up the phone, call everybody and his uncle. What do I do, what do I do? And so everybody's giving you their two cents, their opinion. Or some of you now, it's Facebook. What do I do, what do I do? And you got all the reply, you know, all the responses there, what you should do. And then you're like, okay, i got a hundred different viewpoints. What do I do? And you're like, well, none of that worked for me. I'll try something else. That's what we used to do. We still do that, don't we? Because we don't know how to cope, because we're trying to look for wisdom. But I want you to notice, look with me at what James says. Verse 5, very clearly. And I don't think it's a mistake that he's saying this right after he talks about what suffering does in your life. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Here's what I want you to see. Wisdom is available to all. You're having a hard time coping. You don't know how to deal with this. You're like, I don't know what to do. James is saying, ask God. What, what, if, what, if he, what if he doesn't want to help me? What if he remembers what I did two years ago on a bad hair day? What if, what if he remembers that? Look at what he says here. Who gives to all liberally. Now, what does that mean? We just had Halloween. Some of you had your kids go around to, the, to different places and get their candy, and, and you listen to them. Well, you know, I went to so-and-so's house, and, boy, they're really stingy. Just one little piece. And, boy, but I really like going over to Grandma's because, woo! What's the difference? Grandma's liberal. She's given out lots of it. And your mom and dad are saying, Dennis bills, you know, but they're giving it out. This is what he's saying about God. God will give you wisdom because he's going to be liberal with it. He's waiting to give it out. Here's the other thing he says. Without partiality. He's not partial. Man, we need to grasp this one. Let me just stop for a moment. Let me climb on my soapbox for a moment, okay? There are no special people, a special class of people with God. It's his saved and the unsaved. That's it. So with his saved, there are no special class of people. So there's not the, the accepted, and then there's the rest of us. Over and over in the Bible, 
God is described as not showing partiality to anyone. So there you are. You're in the midst of your struggle and you want to go to Him and you want to say to Him, Lord, I need your help. But you're like, man, if he, I don't know that He'll help me because of this. That has nothing to do with His helping you. He's not partial. He shows help to everyone. You just need to ask. Some of you are not asking. In fact, a little bit further in this epistle, James says, you have not because you what? Ask not. Some of you got to start asking God, God, how am I going to get through this? God, I know you didn't say you were going to take this problem from me, but Lord, give me wisdom to know how to go through another day. Lord, give me another wisdom to go through one more step. God, show me what I need to do. What door do I need to crawl through? Give me wisdom. See, remember now, I already told you, we looked at it last week from the life of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. God's going to give you grace to see you through it. But here's the other thing he's saying. You ask of me, I'll give you wisdom. I'll show you how to handle this. Which brings me to the next point. I want you to look with me. Look at what it says, verse 7 and 8. For let not a man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Back in verse 6, he says, For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let him ask in faith without doubting. Here's the point. Faith is the key. You want to know what the issue is? You know what? God will give it to you liberally. God will give it to you without partiality. But you've got to believe Him. You've got to trust Him. Because he says, if you don't, you're just coming to me. You're just like one of those guys who's sitting on the ocean. You remember I told you, I love going to the ocean. And I remember as a boy... We lived in South Carolina. We lived in Columbia, South Carolina, and and my dad had a camper. And what we would do is, is you know, he he was stationed at Fort Jackson. We lived in Columbia, and we went down to Edisto Island, which is a beautiful island park off the coast of of, of South Carolina. Everybody goes to Myrtle Beach, but people who live in South Carolina go somewhere else. So you guys can have it. They go somewhere else, and so we'd go to Edisto Island, and he would park that camper there, and we spent three or four weeks there on the beach. Dad would drive back up and go to work, and Mom would take care of us there. And we were on the beach. And one of the things I liked is we'd go to the beach, and Mom would say to us, Now you stay right in front of me, George. You can go in the waves, but you stay right in front of me. And, and, and so there you are. You, you go out there, and whoosh, and you're out there. And you've got to understand, there are big waves down there in, in the Carolinas. And, and before you know it, I'm 20 feet down the beach. There's mom, and I'm trying to work my way back up. And all day long is fighting against the waves because here's what, this is the picture of unbelief and doubt. It just tosses you. You're not secure. See, if you don't have faith to be trusting in him, when you're in the midst of what you're going through, you're just all over the place. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You're all over the place mentally. You're all over the place emotionally. You're all over the place spiritually. And that's what he's saying to us here. Faith is the key. In fact, listen, Hebrews, I quoted this to you last week. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Here's what it says. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. So i got to believe that he is who he is. If I'm going to go to him and seek wisdom from him, I gotta, I, you better believe it. I need to trust that he is the creator of the universe and he can handle it. Look at what he says. And that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You've got to know, just go to Him not believing that He's the one who's in control. You've got to believe that He's the one who will give you the wisdom. You'll give it to me, Lord. may not necessarily be what I want to hear, but you'll give it to me. 
You say, George, okay, how do we apply what you're saying to our lives? Well, let's, let's wrestle with one question and two other thoughts. How do you react to suffering in your life? How do you react when stress happens? And can I give you an assignment this week? It'll, it'll tell you how you react. Keep a, keep a, get a, get a little notepad, go to the dollar store, buy one of those dollar little notepads, and I want you to keep a record. That when, and here's what I want you to do. What is it, do you, when you are faced with a stressful situation, how do you respond? How do you react? Is your first tendency to get a fix? Now, before you say, oh, that's a drug thing, I'm not doing, no, no, no. Your fix may be Hershey. Your fix may be a cookie. Your fix may be the great outdoors hunting. How do you react to the stuff that happens in your life? Because let me just stop for a moment. It happens. Let's just wake everybody up here. Everybody, let's wake up. Everybody, we're going to have a problem this week. Okay? Is everybody aware of it? So don't be caught off guard. You're going to have it. You just don't know what it is yet. You're going to have a problem this week. So how are you, when you have your problem, how do you react? This will tell you what is, can I be honest with you, what the idols are in your life. You say, what do you mean? All of a sudden, how do we get to this discussion of idols? Well, let me just be honest with you. The coping mechanism that we choose is our idol. What do I mean by that? It's our substitute for God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So for some of you, the Hershey chocolate bar or the Hershey kiss has become your idol. That's what will get you through the stressful situation. It might be the cigarette. It might be the beer. It might be sex. It might be work. It might be a TV show. It might be your music. What is it that you are looking to for your momentary peace? How do you react? Keep track of that. And you will be shocked by the end of the week because you'll see a pattern. You'll see a pattern. And some of you will realize, you know what? I'm down on somebody else because they got an addiction issue. I have one too. So how do you react to suffering? Here's what I want you to do. Second thing, here's the thought. Choose to find joy in your suffering. See, it's a choice. Choose to find joy in your suffering. Now, I'm not talking about being happy again. Again, we're separating happiness. Remember again the illustration of a mom who gives birth to a baby. There's joy there. She's not feeling happy about all the pain, but she has joy with the birth of that newborn. Folks, you can have joy in the reality of Christ and God in your life in the midst of all that you're going through. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be happy. You have to make a choice. And then finally, recognize that your faith is the key. How am I going to cope? Your faith is the key to that. Who are you going to trust in? Are you going to trust in your coping mechanism? Let's be honest. Your coping mechanism is going to let you down. It does every time. Why do you keep going back to it? Do you know what I'm saying? Why do you keep going back to it? Your coping mechanism will let you down every time. The key is your faith in who? Jesus! He will carry you through it. He'll give you the grace and strength to get you through it. Yeah, He promised not to take it away, but He'll give you the wisdom. We're going to face whatever it is that we're all going to face this week. And every one of us, it'll be a different thing. Can I encourage you? Instead of looking where you normally look to get you through it, look to Him, Christ, and let Him give you the grace and the strength. And as we looked at today, let Him give you the wisdom.
to know how to get you through it. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.